Give me. Let's go. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. You know, that scripture is talking about you. Amen. And you just made that confession before God. And it's accepted by God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. And that's what you just did. And God was pleased with that. Conquering weapons of faith. Conquering weapons of faith. That's what I'm going to be speaking on today. How can you be guaranteed victory in this good fight of faith? The Bible calls our fights... The good fight of faith. And if you're wondering and thinking, what fight? Then you don't know what you are in. (laughs) You don't know what you are into. Every one of us is going through a battle. Your battle is different from mine. But God says it's a good fight. Because you always win if you stay with what God says. So how can we guarantee victory in this good fight of faith? Many times we've been taught this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day, the Bible says. But we are not just having a defensive stance. We've got to win. The armor to protect, that's good. But how many know that you can put put all the armor of God, the whole armor of God, And have the armor with you. But if you are afraid inside. uh, You know that victory is not coming. You know David went into a fight. To fight with Goliath. Right? Was he wearing any armor? He said no. This armor is not good. I have never tried this. So he went into a fight. The others had their armor on. But they were shaking with fear inside. I mean, they were afraid. The armor is no good if you are afraid. So there are certain weapons that we must possess apart from the armor of God. You know, I hear it all the time. Put on the whole armor of God. Yeah, that's important. But there are certain weapons of warfare that you must possess if you are going to have victory. If you look at the armor, most of it is defensive. The breastplates of righteousness is to protect you from being killed. Uh, But I just don't want to be protected from being killed. I want to kill the enemy. So there are things we must have in order to be able to, weapons we must have in our possession along with the armor to be able to win the fight. The first one is fearlessness. Fearlessness. That's why I alluded to that. If you are afraid, don't even think of going. You've already been whipped. Even before you go in. It's over. It's already over. Job puts it this way. For the thing I greatly feared, Job chapter 3 verse 25, 
For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. If he didn't know what he was dreading, if he had no idea of what he was afraid of, how could he say this? He knew exactly what he was afraid of. He knew exactly what he dreaded. This is according to the scripture. He was clear about what he dreaded. He knew what had happened to him and also knew that that's exactly what he had been afraid of. Now, what does that mean? Anything you fear will come to you. Whatever you are afraid of will make a victim of your life. You'll become a victim of what you are afraid of. Fear will take you into captivity. That's why Jesus will always say, don't be afraid. Only believe. Because if you are afraid of it, you are going to possess it. It will come to you. It will take over your life. It will, it, your fear will make slavery out of your life. You become a slave to your fear. A slave cannot be greater than his master. So what you fear becomes your master. And takes you over your life. And we have to be clear about that. Jesus was totally unafraid. He wasn't afraid of anything. You've read it. Even in the wilderness with the wild beast, he had no fear. I know what you're thinking. Well, that was the son of God. Well, you are a son of God or a child of God. Jesus had no fear. Jesus was a man. He was God, but he actually came to us as a man and depended on his father so that we can be an example for us to follow. Yes, he was God, no doubt about it. Because the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. In other words, God became a man. And being found as a man, He operated as a man on the earth to be our example. So we can look at Him and follow through with what He had done. How could He be our example according to the Scripture if He was God here and operated as God? He couldn't be our example. But He operated as a man. So we have to understand that. For the things I greatly feared has come upon me. Jesus had no fear of anything. Jesus practically had no fear. In Mark chapter 5, verse 35 through 36, it says, while he was still speaking, some came some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. He had no fear, not even the fear of death. In other words, he is saying, Replace your fear 
with your faith. Don't be afraid. Only believe. If a preacher is going to pray and he's already scared about pray what's going to happen, nothing's going to happen. Because you can't have fear and faith at the same time. And if you're concerned and afraid and shivering, uh, I pray the Holy Spirit takes over. Because you can't proceed that way. But Jesus was never afraid of anything. Because fear itself is a spirit. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So fear is a spirit. God has given us His Holy Spirit to have control over our, our lives. When the Holy Spirit has control over your life, fear is gone. But when you are afraid, then the Holy Spirit is no longer operating in your life. And you really can't do much. The reason why we fear is because of sin. Put that that way. Adam had no fear until what? When he sinned. So the way, best, one of the good, uh, best ways to get rid of fear, immediately ask God, what's really going on here? Especially if you know the scriptures. We're talking about three things. The first one is fearlessness. I'm going to go into the presence of God and then the knowledge of the word of God. Just those three things that you need. We're going to talk about all of them. First one is fearlessness. Second one is the very presence of God in your life. And then the third one is the knowledge of the Word of God. But once there is sin or if you've done something and you, if you have not repented over it, you are exposed. No covering. But once it's confessed, you can be free from whatever fear that you have. The greatest uh, cure for fear is confidence. That's confidence in God. Every time Satan is attacking you with anything, whether it's attacking your finances or it's attacking your marriage, whatever the enemy is attacking in your life, the first area of attack is to get you off your confidence. Because he knows once he's gotten you off your confidence, he's got you. Because you have fear. Once you lose your confidence, your confidence in God, once you lose that, it's replaced with fear. And once you fear, whatever you're afraid of, you're going to have. I'll put it this way. If you're afraid of divorce, your marriage is not going to hold up even before anything happens. Guess what? It won't be too long. You'll be alone. If you're afraid that you are going to go through life struggling, and so you work hard to make sure, you, but that fear is there. Guess what's going to happen to you? Your confidence is not there. You can't be confident in anything. You are employed, but you're not confident. You're thinking about how to protect yourself, but you can't do it because only God can protect you from that fear. And if you fear that you are going to struggle in life, you will probably not make it. Guess what happens? 
he comes to you. That, look at people that are, that are raised in a home where no one has ever made it. Everyone believes that this is the way it's going to be, and they don't even attempt to think of something greater. They know it's not going to work, and that's exactly what they get. So when Satan attacks you, if as a child of God, and you have that confidence, he brings situations into your life to move you away so that you don't really trust what you're hearing from the Word of God. You become afraid that it's not going to happen, and because you have that fear, your confidence is gone, and God cannot work with you. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, Therefore do not cast away your confidence. Don't cast away what? Your confidence in God. Why is he telling you this? Because situations, natural situations, normal situations, maybe in your workplace, things that are happening in the natural, it seems so natural, they will get you off your confidence. So God's telling you, don't look at those things. Don't let what's happening around you, don't let the doctor's report, don't let what comes through the mail or somebody calling you what your car is doing, don't let on any of those things take you out of your confidence because it has a great recompense of reward. A great reward if you don't let go of your confidence. Because why is God saying this? Once you let go of your confidence, it's over. I may not remember Mike Tyson, the boxer. Yeah. There's people who love boxing and saying, yes, what are you going to tell us about this? <laughs> Notice there was a time everybody thought there is no way you stay in the ring with Mike Tyson. I mean, remember that. You're going down. And many of the boxers came ready to go down. You understand what I'm saying? It's not that they couldn't fight with him, but they have no confidence. They were already afraid. I, got, I heard one of them said, did I look okay on the floor when I was down? <laughs> they, were, they came in prepared to go down. No confidence. Until one fellow said, I don't care, I'm just going to fight. Alright? I'm just going to fight him. Butler Douglas, right? That's what they call the guy. He fought him and after that, everybody said, Wow. That little butler whipped him. I guess he's not as strong as we thought. <laughs> he never made it after that. You understand? He never made it after that. Holyfield knew, I'll, I'll kill him. The rest, everybody knew they can beat him. What, what made the difference? Before, they had no confidence. Their confidence, their loss of confidence, made it possible for them to be beaten. You know what Muhammad Ali does? He talks to you and keeps telling you. That's what the devil does. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to whip you. I'll give you seven rounds. And so by the time the seventh round comes, you're thinking, ah, it's over. The guy, and he runs out of his corner like a seven round. And you're thinking, oh, he's going to kill me now. So he talks to them, and that's what the devil does. He gives you something through the doctor. He tells you all these things in your head and all of that. And he shows you that brother that is so holy, and that things happen to that brother. Who do you think you are? And you think, oh my goodness, he happened to Bishop uh, Andy Ritchie. <laughs> so I'm thinking of my friend tonight. He happened to him, and who am I? 
And so what do you do? You, You let go of your confidence. And once you let go of your confidence for whatever reason, that's why I say I don't, I don't take any man, I don't care who he is, and line that man up with the word of God and say if it didn't happen to brother so-and-so or bishop or pope, whatever, then uh, the word of God must not really mean what it, say, what it appears to say. It, that's an insult. You lose your confidence then. But let your confidence be built on the word of God and the promises of God. We're coming to that, the knowledge of the word of God. But you don't allow the enemy to let, go, to let you let go of your confidence in God. That's why the Bible is clear. It says, do not cast away. That means you have a role in it. You cast away your confidence because of what you're hearing and because of what you're seeing. But the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. What you're seeing and what you're hearing and what your body is telling you, your body is telling you, I'm sick, I'm going to die. But the Word of God is saying, He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And so you're telling your body, shut up, you're a liar. Let God be true. And body, you're lying. And God shows up. Amen? Even if you're dying and God shows up in your room, you wake up. <laughs> Amen. We all know that. Say, you mean that Jesus of Nazareth? Say, yeah. My husband is dying and Jesus, you mean that Jesus in the Bible walks in? And they say, what's going to happen to your husband if he walks in? Oh, he'll wake up. So you can't see him. That's why you lose your confidence in him. But Jesus said, blessed are those who believe even without seeing. You want to see. But God, you are more blessed when you believe in God's word even without seeing with your eyes. So don't let go of your confidence because it has great reward. Once you let go of your confidence, you fear. But God, that's why God was so clear. God has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear. So once you are in fear, you become a slave. Romans chapter 8 can go from verse 15 down. It tells us that God did not give us the spirit of bondage again to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption where we cry, Abba, Father. You can't be crying, Abba, Father, and be afraid. If you are afraid, you are a slave. To your fear. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of what? A sound mind. And for me, this is the way I say it. I have a sound mind. No matter how old I get, I have a sound mind. Amen. You stay with what God says. He renews our strength. So we got to stay with God's word and refuse to be afraid. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not afraid of anything. They were not afraid. And that should be our attitude. God recorded that so we know. I mean, think about it. These guys were standing in front of the furnace. Many of us will negotiate with the king. Please. 
and try to get him to, to understand where you're coming from. You know, our God says not to do what you're asking us to do. Okay, sir? These guys were not even willing. If they had been afraid, they would have burned. They would all just in there. It would just a second and they would be all. But these guys were looking at the fire and the king that had the power over them and the guards over them and had no fear. When you stand like that, you get promotion afterwards. Amen? Because God comes through. He'll never fail. You know, God says, when you pass through the fire, I'll be with you. You know what God's saying? I've already done that before. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How do that? Many of us haven't been through that kind of literal fire, but you're already scared. It's the same Jesus. It's the same God. And it's with us in the the new covenant. Look at what it says in uh, Daniel chapter 3. Beginning from verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, They respected the king. O Nebuchadnezzar, they said, You're a great king. We have no need to answer you in this matter. I mean, you talk to somebody who you know is able to kill you immediately. But they they were not concerned. They said, look, we're not going to even talk to you about this. And I'm sure the king considered that a great insult. But in fact, they were so mad, he was talking to them about doing something like that. They could kill us. They were ready to die. And you know, the Bible tells us those who have the fear of death stay in bondage all their lives. And I have to tell myself, the worst that can happen to me is death. And I'm not afraid of it. So you can show up in my house with your gun. I'm not going down. I'll tell you, get lost, fellow. Because uh, I don't think you'll even get to my home. My angel is going to slap you real good. And you'll be so confused, you won't know how you got to that place. And these things are true. Uh, Pastor Solomon in Nigeria, I told you about him. When armed robbers came and they pointed their gun at him, and that's how they know it, in his area where his church is, that's all they said. That little pastor, because Solomon is not very tall, hopefully be here someday. He's really short, so everybody says, that little pastor. They had their gun, and he said a few words to them, and they took off. And now everybody around there, they said, oh, that pastor, that little man, he, he was able to chase away those armed robbers. They scared of him. He got Jesus. And it's the same God. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. They said, we're not going to answer you in this matter. If that's the case, if that's the way you put it, if that's what you want to do, look at what they said. Our God whom we serve. How many serving Jesus tonight? The God whom we serve. As I've often tell people, not the God whom we worship. That's good to worship God. But you need to serve God if you, want to fall, if you want God to work on your behalf. The God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire in furnace. He's able to do it. God's able to do this. Notice how they are making their confession. They were bold. 
we didn't say we think God's able to deliver us. They were very clear about what they believed that God was going to do. And I'm sure after that, Nebuchadnezzar feared these guys. <laughs> That's it. In the natural, I'll be afraid of these guys like that who can speak boldly and then you throw them into the fire and they come out with their hair and everything. I haven't been in the fire. I'm already losing my hair. But they didn't lose anything. They said, our God is able to deliver us from your hand, O king. He will deliver us from your hand. Not me, he will. If he doesn't do it with the, with the fire, he will. You can put us in there, but if he can even get us away from your hand even before you put us in there. I mean, this was an immediate thing. They were right there and the fire right behind them. And the king got very mad. He's able to deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to do this. And that's the attitude we must have. I'm going to believe God to heal me from this sickness, but if I'm trusting God, I would rather die in faith than to die in unbelief and crying and pleading and weeping. Oh, God, when are you going to hear me? And all of that crazy stuff. God says, you need another trip in the wilderness. Go around again. What's going on? We are able to go. Amen? We are able. We are just able. So, don't cast away your confidence. Trust in God. God is able to do that for us. God is able to do that for us. Every time you lose your confidence, everything turns around against your life. I'm thinking of uh, the prophet Elijah. You know Elijah? First king. I mean, you, you can see where, what fear will do to a man. That was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. He had done so much. I mean, a guy that walks up to the king, Ahab, and says, by my word, no rain. And for three and a half years, no rain. Everybody was talking about Elijah. The whole country was given to this one prophet who went boldly to the king, pointed his finger in his face and said, unless I say so, there will be no rain. And there was no rain. Just a man. And then when God told him, okay, now go, it's about time. I'm going to send rain. He went back to the king. The king was looking for him. And, and he told one of those uh, uh, people that helped the king, tell the king I'm around. He said, no, if I go tell the king, we'll come around and you just disappear. They had all kinds of stories about him. They, everybody was scared of him. You want to kill me? I go tell the king. And before we get to you, you disappear. And then the king will take my life. He said, no, go tell him. I'm, I'm here. I'm waiting. They had all kinds of stories about this man's life. He challenged them, brought fire from heaven. With just a few words of prayer. 
the whole nation, everybody's heart was turned to God. And they were yelling, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. The whole nation behind Elijah. And then something happened that turned his ministry around and brought an end to his glorious ministry. You know what that was? Fear. Because after that, God told him, go back, anoint Elisha, the prophet, to take your place. You're coming home. That was the end. In 1 Kings chapter 19, that's just to let you know how tough fear can be. In 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 through 3, it says, And Ahab, after he had killed those prophets, and I'm told that you can go to Israel and you can see the place where Elijah you know, killed those prophets, still there, still there. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel, that's his wife, all that Elijah had done. I'm sure he was excited. Elijah, uh, Ahab was excited. So all of those things, he allowed uh, Elijah to kill the prophets because in his mind, they couldn't bring fire. The Lord is God. The whole nation was behind Elijah. The whole nation. Fear can be really unreal. When you are afraid, you don't see things well. I'm coming to that. It says, it should hear, the king Ahab told Elijah, what, I mean told Jezebel what Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Basically, said he killed all of them. That's the king. Why couldn't Ahab stop him from killing the prophets? He was scared. The king himself was scared. So I went back to tell his wife. Then he says, Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me. Notice, not God of heaven. Let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. How is she going to accomplish that? Even those were generals. They were afraid of Elijah. Who are you going to tell to kill him? You're going to use somebody, right? You're going to send the guy who witnessed fire come from heaven to kill that prophet? Is that going to be possible? He'll tell you, King, you just take my life because I'm not going there. But before I get that, you know Elijah, when they said the man of God, he calls fire from heaven. Remember that? Fire come from, if I'm the man of God, let fire come down from heaven. That was the same man. You will send them to go pick him up? Where would you get the general that is willing to go? They will all conspire and kill you. But when you fear, you don't see things clearly. Elijah was afraid. He heard that word and fear gripped him. And he never, he couldn't, what I'm telling you now, he couldn't think through all of that. This is a man that called fire down from heaven. All of that gone from him because of fear. That's why the Bible says, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. If you are afraid, 
you are operating under the influence of an evil spirit. Not possessed. Not possessed. I didn't say possessed. They are walking and pulling the strings in your life. The truth. You can have all the armor. You, you won't be able to fight. You're too scared. He was so afraid. It says, and when he saw that, when he heard that, he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And you can read the story. It was so pathetic. He was telling God, they killed all your prophets. And I just, I'm alone, left. God said, no, you're wrong. I got 750 more, more like you. They are not as scared as you are. <laughs> They're still there. He couldn't see things right. So when you are afraid, doctors give you a report, and your mind, when you fear, your mind goes crazy. And you can't see anymore, not even God, to protect you. And you are not willing to fight. You are ready to go home. The C word is almost like a death sentence. It shouldn't be so for Christians. You know what I tell you? In Galatians, not Galatians, uh, James. James was telling us, I believe James 5, 13, 14 there. He says, is any sick among you? You know what that means? Is any sick among you? Is any sick among you? In other words, if you have a sick person among you, take care of that problem. There should not be anyone sick among us. You correct me, right? Is any sick among you? Call for the elders. Let them pray a prayer of faith upon this person. And if there's any sin, God will forgive and God will raise the sick. So if God raised whoever is sick among you, would you still have somebody sick among us? No. We have been lied to and we are fighting a battle. We have taken to ourselves, we've listened to all kinds of stuff coming from the scientific uh, community, coming from everywhere, and we've taken all those information and we are fighting ourselves. We are fighting our own lives. With those things, fighting against our life. We don't stay with the scriptures anymore. We're afraid. But we need to stay with God's word and let God be true and let every man be a liar. You know, basically I'm saying this is not because I have, you know, faith or something. I say it because I have a reason for saying it. I don't gonna die. I'm not going to die by accident. I don't think about it, don't pray about it. Because I believe there is a God. They say, well, don't see that because if you die by accident, everybody's going to be, I mean, they will lose their faith. That's their business. <laughs> That's their business. I'm following God, amen? And I don't care. God's pleased with faith, right? If I'm saying it and I have no, I'm not afraid of it and you can say it as well, is that going to be pleasing with God to God? I don't know. But the scripture says it well. And so where God watch he says he watches over his word to perform it, right? Yeah. We have to believe God's word and trust his word and refuse to be afraid. Refuse to be afraid. Many times we are thinking in terms of what we see happening to everybody else. I'm not everybody else. And you are not everybody else. You have been born of God. Jesus was clear about it. 
He says, He is in you, and the Father is in you, and He is in the Father. How can Jesus be in your life and you still like the rest of them? That's impossible. We have to wake up and not listen to what the world is saying and stay by God's word. Amen? We have to do that. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. Until you renew your mind based on God's word, because what's happening in the world and what God is saying, they are opposites. And when you agree with God's word, then you begin to see God at work in your life. That's the way it's got to be. You know, trusting God is the only way to remain a winner in every area of life. You can afford to wait because you know God's going to come through. I'm going to share this with you. Uh, years ago, we started the ministry and went into full-time ministry. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, our finances went, I mean, it dipped like crazy. It wasn't fun at all. And um, I, I, I remember once, all we could feed our kids was uh, Roman noodles, and hot dogs, cut Gracie thought that's the best food in life. Gracie says he, she still likes them, but that's all we could afford. It was funny because I knew people that could help me financially if I mentioned something like that in church. Because I went out, got those miracles, and all other pastors says to testify, and all of that. And uh, sometimes people will promise me, Pastor Goodluck, or Brother Goodluck, you call me, I'm going to give you this amount. And then whatever happened in their life, the same person has promised me, he sees me coming, he looks, and he goes the other way. And I said, you don't have to run for me. I'm not looking to you, you know. God's my source. He's going to help us. But I knew, based on what God's promised, he's going to bless us. I'm not, in the early stages of our church, many of us were here, you, if you were here, you hear me use these scriptures a lot. I don't use it as much as I used to. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I wasn't preaching to you. I was preaching to myself, okay? Trying to take help myself to trust God's word. But God changed all of those and I'm still looking for more. Don't know. And I have no care. If, if God doesn't bless us, finances, I don't care. I will do his work. Finances is not what determines whether God's with me or not. It's my obedience to him. But when you are obeying God and the Lord is your shepherd, you can never be in want. He will always help me to pay my bill. I remember this guy called me, you know, I had my college uh, debt and I had my credit card debts. I don't remember all of the debts, but they kept calling and harassing me. I remember this guy called me and I couldn't tell who, what, who that guy was. My credit had dipped very much. You know, you want to say, God, you called me to ministry and I look at what's happened to me. But this guy called me and he was telling me, you got to pay this $200. You got to pay whatever he was telling me to pay. So I asked him, I said, oh, so who are you among all these other guys? <laughs> he said, he gave me his company and all of that. You owe us this. I said, so yours is the least among them. 
after paying you this, whatever you're asking me to pay, the other guy that I owe more is going to call tomorrow. How, how am I going to? He was quiet. He couldn't say a word because I, I let him know he was at the bottom. Okay. You're laughing, but it wasn't funny then. And I wasn't kidding with the guy. Yeah, please don't call back till, till another month. I can't pay you this. I'll give you $20. But if that's not enough for you, well, you can come and take whatever I got in my house. But God changed all of that. God changed all of that. So there's nothing that God cannot do. You can stress your mind worrying about those things, but God... He says he'll take care of you, right? He will take care of you. My credit, uh, I, I will never check credit, you know, check the credit. The other day I was in a bank and they said they're going to check my credit. And I said, oh, yeah, we go again. But it's way over 800 now. Well, well I felt good about that, you see. <laughs> but it was all the way down. There's nothing God cannot do. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you, if you serve God... He take care of you. Do I make mistakes a lot? And sometimes my mind wanders, but I'll repent and come back to my God. This is the only way you can always stay a winner. Let me read this scripture and I'll close with this tonight. Trusting God is what keeps you a winner. Psalm 125 verse 1. Those who trust or have their confidence in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. When your confidence is in God, you cannot be moved. You always be a winner. You are like Mount Zion, always there. Mount Zion, a city set on a hill, cannot be hid. Only those who put their confidence in God and will not cast away their confidence. Why cast away? Because the circumstances in coming into your life, that's so difficult, you want to refuse trust in God. You want to cast that away. So no matter what's happening, stay with God. And God's telling you there are circumstances when he says don't cast away your confidence. He's telling you there are circumstances that are going to come into your life that will want to make you and force you to lose your confidence in God. And if you listen to those voices or those circumstances and you cast away your confidence and then obtain fear, you are going down. You are going to suffer defeat. But if you keep your confidence in God and remain fearless, you'll always win. You know, Peter was fearful and denied Jesus. But he was in prison and he knew he was going to be killed the next day. You remember that? But he had no fear. He was sleeping so deep, he needed an angel to wake him up. He had no fear. And because he had no fear, he got delivered with the people praying for him. 
But I can guarantee you if Peter was filled with fear and complaining, he would have been killed the next day. But he had no fear. Paul and Silas. You remember they were praising God in prison? And I'm sure the guy who was taking care of them in prison is wondering, if we just put these guys in prison and they are singing, something is wrong with this fellow. Well, and they are singing. But what's wrong with it? Is, it? is there a happy occasion here that they are singing? But they had no fear, no concern. They could die. It didn't matter to them. They were following Jesus. Amen. But God showed up. Amen. As they prayed and they praised God, shook the prison, and the guy said, I've seen enough, I've heard enough, how can I have this your God in my life? I need him. Amen? That's the God we want to serve. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Stand up with me tonight.